0: The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to start in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So tonight we're continuing In our series, uh, it's called Curious, and the sermons uh, in this series are based on your questions. And so thus far, we've had some really great questions that have allowed us to dive deep into some good topics. Tonight won't be any different. Uh, We've got a good question to go through tonight, something I believe that uh, is going to lead us closer to the Lord and closer to one another, and uh, for that, I'm really thankful. So uh, we're going to start out just by reading this text here in Acts, and uh, then we'll go forward from there and see what the Lord has for us. So as I said, I'm in Acts 2, I'm going to start in verse 41, we'll read through to verse 47 together, okay? So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Praise God for his word. Aside from what we're going to draw out of this tonight, uh, just if, if you want to be uh, joined in prayer with me, just know that the picture painted right here is something I pray for often, because uh, I believe this is the outworking of the gospel, doing what it does in the hearts of God's people. So praise the Lord for that. That is a beautiful picture right there. Amen. Uh, so the question for tonight is this. It says, I find it difficult To make or maintain friendships in our church. What does Christian community look like? So, before we answer the question at the end, uh, I want to address the opening statement. Uh, I'm not sure if someone submitted this because it is a reality for them or if maybe as a proxy for someone else. Uh, But either way, I want you to know that my heart is deeply troubled by that statement. And I don't take it lightly, okay? Uh, I also know that I can speak for, because I know these folks, uh, I can speak for the majority of the membership here at Love City when I say that we care deeply about being a place where no one feels excluded or unwanted or uncared for. Uh, And if that has been your experience, then please forgive us, because that is definitely not what we're shooting for, Um. If you are a part of the Love City family and you agree with what I just said, just say amen as loud as you can. Okay, good. Uh, Now, I'm going to ask all of you to join me in praying that uh, God will help us be the most loving and welcoming group of people that anyone could possibly encounter. And I I mean that. That's not preacher hyperbole. That should be able to be true because of God's work in us and through us. Uh, I'm also asking all of you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your part in that looks like. It's very easy to say, "Well, the church should be nicer." Well, dear Christian, you should be nicer." There was no amen on that one. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm also asking you to pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit, this is part of His ministry, uh, to, to bring to your remembrance any time you've perhaps failed at this part of our God-given mission and to repent for that. Because the simple truth is, according to Jesus, If we're not walking in love, uh, we're walking in sin. There's only two options. So uh, there's probably some repentance uh, possible for all of us in that. There's oftentimes we're uh, just too busy to be bothered. Um, Maybe unintentionally we are uh, cold or unapproachable. And uh, in the house of God, among the people of God, there should be no one that feels cast out or unwelcome. Uh, Because all of us were cast out. And all of us should be cast out, but we were all welcomed in by the grace that comes through faith in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Uh, So the scriptures that we read here in Acts, they give us one of many pictures in the scriptures of what Christian community looks like. Uh, It should be different, we should be different, than any other group in the world because what brings us together is the most powerful truth in the world, and that is the gospel. Christian community and Christian friendships should be unmistakably gospel-shaped. Now, let me explain to you what I mean when I say that. Uh, There are many enemies to true friendship and community. The gospel lays waste to every one of these enemies, and it is the only thing that clears the way for true, deep, trust-filled relationships. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. There are many more examples I could give. I want to just walk through a few of these enemies to friendship and community with you in the hopes that you, if you think of or encounter more uh, roadblocks or enemies to community, that you'll be able to think for yourself about how the gospel takes away their power to keep people separated and isolated. Okay, So I'm going to give you three. Um, they are alliterated because I know we have some... Uh, Baptist friends among us, and they appreciate when I do that. So, uh, amen. It's my love for you. Okay. So the first, the first enemy to true community and friendship is indifference. Indifference. In John 13, Jesus calls those who follow him to do this: love one another as I have loved you. Now, if you spend any time around here, you have some sense of how big that is. It may, it may not sound like a big statement, but it's, it's probably the biggest statement, because he didn't just say, love one another, and leave the interpretation of that up to us. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And so it comes with specific shaping and definition based in his life, death, and resurrection. And so it's huge, uh, and it's not able uh, to be attained by natural means. We need the Holy Spirit's help. But the truth is that the gospel leaves no room for indifference, or even an apathetic or nonchalant approach. We were lost, and Jesus came and found us. The love of God pursues us. To believe this by faith should automatically cause us to care about pursuing others with this same kind of love. And so, oftentimes, a barrier to friendship, a barrier to true, authentic community, as the Bible paints the picture of it to be, is indifference. Folks are just... And sometimes it's not even intentional. They're, they're busy, they're distracted, whatever it is, but the, the gospel leaves us no room for indifference as it pertains to uh, real, authentic community, friendship, and relationships. Okay, so the first is indifference. The second enemy that the gospel takes out is insecurity. Uh, many people, sorry, many times people struggle to make friends or be a friend because they believe lies about who they are. Satan wants us all to be self-focused, which is a form of pride. And here's the truth. Even if our self-focus is self-deprecating, it's still self-focus. And it's going to be a huge barrier to building real relationships. I see a few heads bobbing out there because you maybe have experienced the reality of how insecurity and a constant inner monologue of tearing yourself down uh, can cause you to avoid either... Uh, receiving friendship from people and or trying to give that gift of friendship. Uh, the gospel, let's, let's, be, let's just say this, though. The gospel doesn't sugarcoat the fact that we each are imperfect in our own way. Uh, we all have sinful tendencies and dark spots in our personalities that may sometimes make it difficult <laughs> for others to love us. But we must never believe the lie that that means we are unlovable. Yes, each one of us can be annoying in our own special way, right? I'm kind of giving you the reverse of the snowflake uh, mentality. Everyone's special. Yes, they are. (laughs) You're special in your sinful tendencies and ability to be a jackalope at times, right? Uh, Yes. (laughs) But that doesn't mean we're unlovable. But Satan wants to put an equal sign, but the equation he wants to draw out is, you are imperfect and you struggle with sin and thus you are unlovable. Thus, no one wants you. No one wants to be around you. Um, You may as well not try. Uh, because you're not worth it. These things are not true. As a matter of fact, the beauty of the gospel teaches that Jesus loves the unlovely and is faithful when we are not. And no matter how many lies you've believed up until now about yourself, God has made you with the potential to love and be loved, to have true friends and be a true friend. And this is his will for you. The gospel stops insecurity from being a barrier to true, deep friendship and community. The last one I'm going to give you is identity. Identity. Most groups of people are together because of affinity or commonality. Most of the time, people enter into relationship with other people who are like them in some way. Basic human nature is to be wary or suspicious of people who don't look or talk or act like you do, the gospel destroys identity as a barrier to meaningful relationships. The blood of Christ binds us together into an eternal relationship with Jesus and with one another. Have you thought of that? The folks that you maybe uh, would put in the "that's not my favorite person" bucket, right? <laughs> I know most of you probably don't even have one of those because you're such sweet lambs. But I, I've I've at least read about this phenomenon. That Some people may may have people that just aren't their favorite. Have you thought about the fact that not only does the blood of Christ flowing down that cross at Calvary, purchasing you away from the taskmaster of sin and death, that that not only binds you to Christ for eternity, but it binds you to all those who will trust Christ by faith for eternity. That should be some helpful motivation for us to, when possible, uh, walk in unity and forgiveness and grace uh, to... Join Jesus in the prayer He prays in John 17, that uh, the same way He and the Father are one, that we would be in unity with one another. Everybody doesn't have to be your favorite, but we're gonna be. If we, if this is all real, and and I don't know why we'd be here if it wasn't, we're gonna be together for a while. So let's let's practice loving each other now, uh, even when it's tough. The power of the gospel to bring us together in unity can eradicate the tendency we have to let differences become divisions. Instead, we see that no matter our race or background, whether we work with shovels or pencils or how old or young we are, Jesus died. And that means we can see those things as secondary. We don't have to erase what makes us unique. But the love of God allows us to appreciate our diversity instead of segregate because of it. Amen. Uh, The Bible uses many analogies to describe how the Christian community should relate to one another. Uh, Sometimes, we do this with all kinds of Bible things. Sometimes we have a preference of one analogy over another. And this causes us to be narrow sometimes in our understanding of the shocking beauty of true and authentic community. And so... I want to spend the, the rest of our time together looking at some of the different word pictures of the Bible. You know the Bible uh, is God's word to us, and so we have to remember that what God's doing is many times He's explaining divine eternal mysteries in human language, and so it's, it's almost like how you get down sometimes to small children and you got to translate, right? Natalie and I often look at each other and laugh because our kids will will say a word. What does that mean? And we find out like how uh, much of a you know thesaurus, we're not, right? So we're struggling, and, and then a lot of times we'll give them another word to try to describe that word, and they say, well, what's that word mean? And then it's like, just, here, eat some popcorn. You know, like, let me think about it a minute. So, um, I just, I want to just point out to us that I think there are oftentimes divisions in the body of Christ at large, because people relate better to different word pictures the Bible uses to try to describe things, right? Um, there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people that divide over um, just exactly how the order of salvation goes and all of that. And there are some folks that really relate to and understand all of that through this idea of, of how Paul talks about that we are dead in our sins, right? We, we say that here because that's true. Without Christ, we are dead and have no hope. Uh, but Paul also in another place says that uh, salvation is is a gift that is received. And so some people will focus very much on one and that's what it is. It's an analogy. It's God trying to explain something to us that I'm not sure we can fully even grasp. He's breaking it down into language for us and a loving act so that we, as much as is possible, we can understand what it is he's doing in us, through us, and, and with us. So uh, we're going to look at a few different analogies here. And there's probably some you're going to relate to more than others, but I think what we'll get by looking at all of them is a more circumspect and faithful, less narrow understanding of what Christian community is looks like, the potential shocking beauty of what can happen with a group of people, allow themselves to be bound together by something far greater than any of them individually. That being the truth of the gospel. Amen? Okay, so uh, in light of all that, let let me just get everybody to say this. Everyone say, it's not about my preference. Go ahead, let me hear you say that. It's not about my preference. Okay, that's good for you to say. You should say that every day. You know, when you get in the mirror, you're psyching yourself up for the day. Just add that to the list. It's not about me. It's not about my preference. That'll help you. That'll help you to follow Jesus faithfully. All right, so let's look at uh, at the different ways the Bible describes Christian community. So first of all, uh, the Bible describes the community of believers, those that have been bought with the blood of Christ, bound together with the scarlet thread of the gospel. It describes us as friends. We can be friends inside of the community of God. Uh, John 15, 12 through 17 says this. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a supporting verse for each point here. You don't have to try to turn to them. I'll just read them to you, unless you're real fast and you won't be distracted, okay? Uh, John 15, 12 through 17 says this on the idea of friendship. Uh, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Uh, First thing I just think we should say is, from this, we should understand, uh, and this bolsters a point made earlier about the fact that a, an apathetic or nonchalant approach to friendship doesn't really work if we're going to follow after Jesus. Friendship must be super important in the life of the believer, and if you're going to follow the way of the master, because if we notice, the king of glory, the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth, the one that uh, John 1 says, uh, that the word was with God, that the, the word... Uh, What does John 1 say? The Word was with God. The The Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. I don't know why I can't get that. I can quote that backwards and frontwards most days. That's hilarious. So anyways, you guys know what John 1 says because I say it all the time. So there you go. What just happened? Um, Anyways, he was there before the foundations of the world. So we know that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's the whole point there that I'm making. Uh, God in the flesh comes on a rescue mission It's real important what he's doing, right? This is the most important thing anybody's ever done. And as a part of that, as a part of the life of Christ, a part of his mission, he makes friends. The Lord of glory makes friends. And so if we think that we're going to follow after him without real meaningful friendship, uh, we've probably deluded ourselves. If we don't think that's an important part, and and that this is intentional, uh, that, that Jesus, I believe everything Jesus did was intentional. He knew what he was doing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I told you I knew it. I just needed a second. I do not know what happened. Hallelujah. I I had to do that just to make sure that I didn't need medical attention after this. Woo! All right. Amen. Okay, so you see what I'm talking about, though? Jesus says to these guys, no longer do I call you slaves, because slaves don't know what their master is doing. I've brought you in, and I've told you, and I've shown you everything the Father's shown showing me. You guys are my friends. If Jesus had friends and made friends and invested in that relational dynamic, absolutely if we're going to follow him, we're going to need to do the same. Uh, Jesus made friends a part of his mission. He knew he wasn't going to be able to do what God sent him to do without that. Uh, And he's setting an example for us. Uh, On the idea of friendship and trying to help us understand what a biblical friend is, Uh, We need to seek to be a friend and have friends that would allow us to trust in this truth. Here's the truth I'm going to give you. It's Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, Why is that important? Because I think oftentimes we, we don't really know what friendship looks like. I think sometimes uh, we have groups of people that we do things with. They may like the same things we like. Uh, there, there may be various reasons why we interact with them at some level. And I don't know how much we really go to the Bible and look for the Bible to shape our understanding of what friendship looks like. And so if, if you've found yourself either in a relationship with somebody or, or just thinking about the idea of friendship and, and you're wondering, how do I know if this person is really my friend? How can I really tell if they're my friend? Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Maybe some of those I words we went through earlier uh, are at play and and cause you to be reticent or hesitant to uh, invest deeply into friendships. Maybe you've been hurt before and you're trying to gauge, how do I know whether this person is really my friend? So let, let me give you a real good litmus test for whether somebody's really your friend. Can they and do they tell you when you're being an idiot? See, most of you thought, well, we'll probably, if they're my friend, we'll like the same things and we'll laugh together, right? Stuff like that. And I'm not saying that's not a part of it. That's all great and good and, and probably should be in there. But, but what Proverbs says is if, if you've got a real friend, somebody that's really for you, somebody that's really back-to-back with you and, and, and ready to do battle with you, somebody that loves you, uh, that they're going to be willing to tell you the truth. Uh, that's, that's why it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. There's a lot of flatterers. There's a lot of people that will uh, say stuff uh, to make you feel good or try to take your defenses down. But a, a real friend is going to be looking out for your good. And a humble person understands, I need somebody around me that loves me enough to tell me when I'm acting like an idiot. Because a humble person understands there's going to be a point in time, most days, <laughs> when, when maybe I need somebody to speak some truth to me. Right? Um, that can, be, that can be difficult. And so when you're assessing if someone else is a friend, asking, will they do that? Do I trust that they would do that? But then when you're assessing yourself, am I a good friend? Ask yourself, would you do that? Uh, another way to understand if that person's a, a good friend, when, when they, if they do come to you and they speak that, that truth to you, are you going to listen? right? Do you, is there something there in that relational connection? Is there a trust there that if, if they said something to you, it's going to make you pause and think for a moment? Um, we've all got critics. We've all got people that just like to lob bombs. And, and you kind of got to tune those folks out sometimes because they're sometimes just being critical. But when a close friend, somebody that you know loves you, that you know has your back, that you know is with you, when they come to you and say, hey, I'm concerned about this thing or that thing, uh, that should cause anybody that's got a, a shred of wisdom or humility to stop dead in their tracks and, and start listening very closely. And we all need friends like that. Every single one of us needs to have people in our life that love us that much. Because unless you have a, a fairly rare personality type, most of us have an aversion to conflict. Most of us are not looking on a given day to start mess with people, right? Right? Most of us are looking for calm water and uh, the path of least resistance. And so it can, be a, uh, it can cause trepidation. It can be a difficult thing. Um, it can be a struggle for people to know their place in that. And so the other thing I would encourage you to do is if you've got people, uh, if you have no one in your life that you even could, could put in the, in the frame of reference I'm talking about right now, I would ask you to pray and ask God to bring you some friends or help you to be a friend so that you can cultivate some relationships like this because a, there's a hole in your life or something missing. But if you do have these relationships, there are people that you trust, that you love and they love you, and that there is, there is something that at least resembles what we're talking about, a, a gospel-shaped friendship between the two of you. Make sure to tell those people, A, that you're thankful for them because uh, true friends are, are, are a rare gem, but also make sure you let them know, hey, I am counting on you to speak truth to me if you see me acting like a fool. Invite that in. Right and, and be somebody that's humble enough to, to welcome that from people that have a Bible in their hand and love you. Amen? Okay. Uh, we cannot practically maintain the level of closeness I'm talking about right now with everyone. That's one thing I need to say. As we look at what biblical community looks like, I think sometimes folks think that means everybody within the household of faith has to be to this same degree of relational connection. The truth is that is not possible, and so we need to not be deluded about that. Uh, but the Bible is clear, we should give and receive the precious gift of friendship as a part of our mission here on earth. And so you should have some folks uh, that you're doing life with in close enough proximity, that there is a love and an affection and a trust there, that you can speak truth to one another, that you're going to be, you know, and it's, it's not just for uh, accountability and correction, you know the, the hopefully the preponderance of the relationship, the majority of it is we 're spurring each other on to love and good works right that uh, we 're we're lifting up one another when, when the other one starts to get tired that we 're all pushing each other uh, towards Christ and uh, the glorious uh, occupation he 's given us of being ambassadors of the gospel so um, friendship was important to Jesus he made time for it, and so even if you 're a loner even if you 're you're number one, you know, you're the toughest out there and, and, and you're self-sufficient, uh, I, I would just I would ask you to prayerfully consider that you may need to humble yourself and open up your life um, to not only give but receive the gift of friendship because it is a gift. It's something that the gospel makes possible. You understand true friendship wouldn't be possible if we were all insecure, indifferent, and if we were all stuck in our own identity and, and it was all about me, and uh, the gospel wasn't just tearing all that stuff down all the time. Real, biblical, beautiful friendship wouldn't even be possible without the gospel, but because the gospel is real and true, because we believe in, because it has power, uh, we can have friendships uh, that are shaped in the way that, that God has described. Um, and it's really a precious thing, something for us to give thanks for. So the Bible, the Bible describes uh, the community of Christ. Uh, those that follow Jesus, that we, we can and should be friends. Uh, the second way that uh, the Bible describes the community of believers is as family, right? So some people uh, can maybe really relate to that, that friendship piece, but the Bible also describes the people of God as family. Where do we see that? Ephesians 2. I'm going to read you verses 13 through 19. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. By it having put to death the enmity, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. We are of God's household. The family of God is all those who have been joined together by their common faith in the grace of God, given to us through the person and work of Christ. Now, as the old saying goes, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, right? The reality of the family of God calls us to a level of compassion and care that we are not able to accomplish on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to relate to each other as we ought to. The family of God is called to love each other, to carry each other's burdens, to mourn and rejoice with one another, and to give thanks as we consider it a privilege to do these things. We cannot be close friends with everyone in the family of God. That's that's not possible. But that doesn't mean there is not a real love and desire to serve every member of our eternal family. Sometimes in my mind, the way I see that is I... I can't know each of you as well as I know some of you, right? That's just true. I think, and each one of us needs to acknowledge that. It doesn't mean we're lazy about it. I want to know as many of you as deeply as I possibly can because I believe that that's, that's a gift, uh, that the gospel allows us to really know one another without masks, and, and that's part of the beauty of what happens in the body of Christ. And so I want to keep pursuing to know as many people as I can at a, at a deeper level, but uh, I can't know everyone as well as I know some of, of the family of God. But that doesn't mean that if I'm made aware of a need within the family, that I'm any less likely to respond to that. And so, you know, I guess the way I would say it is, you know, some of you are going to, know each other closer, you're going to spend more time together. Some of you will be in each other's homes more often. Some of you will break bread together, uh, eat together more often. Some of you will be uh, more closely involved with one another in in gospel mission as far as how it is you function in the body of Christ to bring the gospel to those that don't have it. So within the big family of God, there's going to be smaller units, folks that are closer friends and folks that work closer together uh, in what it is they're doing for Jesus. But that doesn't mean that in, in any of those smaller units that that if if any of us in, in the family of God at large, for example, let's let's just say uh thunderstorm rolls through, lightning hits somebody's house, their house burns down. Okay. Just because uh, maybe I know some of you better than some other of you, doesn't if I find out about that, to me, the way the family of God operates, everybody's saddled up immediately to figure out how we're gonna help that part of the family figure out okay, we gotta figure out where they're gonna stay. How we're, how we're going to get them everything that they need, right? So that's that's kind of the way I see it. We're, we we carry each other's burdens at that large level. We care for one another. We love one another. That we're for each other. We're all rooting for one another. Um, and and that's that's to me how I delineate between kind of that friendship relationship, but then how the family of God looks. There's 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 a love and. And I'm going to say the word obligation, and some of us are like, ooh, I don't like that. sounds like commitment. Ah, right? But there is, man. That's the, <laughs> the blood of Christ calls us to commit to one another. And, and there is this idea, and we saw it in Acts, right? That's, that's what I'm talking about. When I, when I see the vision painted in Acts, what the gospel was doing in the hearts of people in Jerusalem at that time, man, they, they weren't waiting for somebody's house to get hit by lightning. They just said, well, let's just make sure there's no, there's no delay whatsoever if something like that happens. I'm just going to sell a bunch of stuff that I have, and I'm going to come bring it, and, and we're all going to put it in a pile. That way, anybody that has a need at any point, we can make sure that's taken care of. Now, I'm not advocating for a joint bank account for everyone at Love City. I don't know that that's practical in 2018, uh, but I, I do sincerely hope that in our hearts, we'd have enough trust for one another that if we did that, it'd be okay. Some of you are like, nah, buddy, I think he's trying to set us up. We're not getting a joint bank account, okay? Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm setting the high bar of what the gospel does in his people, but I don't trust some of y'all enough to have a joint bank account with you. So <laughs> I know I'm supposed to, and I'm supposed to like, lead the way and all that. But uh, I love you. Yeah, we, we can hang out, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. We, we all, some of us need to grow. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm just kidding, kind of. Is is that okay? Does everyone understand what I'm saying? The difference there? Okay. Amen. The family of God we, we should be for each other and there for one another. And uh that that really speaks something to the world, man. I'm I'm going to tell you I I I have experienced people looking into and, and talking to me about and it goes both ways. Actually, um somebody sent me something the other day on uh they saw it on Facebook. Somebody posted uh I I, I, I assume it was a meme. I, I didn't go look cuz my blood pressure was already high about it. So the, the meme said something like, why does, uh, why when the church needs help do they go to the members and ask for help, but then if a member needs help, the church tells them to trust God? And I was like, well, that's, you kind of got to raise your hand too, because I, I I'm sure in some places that's accurate, and maybe this person experienced something like that where they were not part of a church that cared about authentic community, and maybe Maybe they'd been a part of, of some organization led by a charlatan that was just trying to take from people instead of give to them. I don't know. That does happen, and it's tragic, and it's terrible. Uh, but the truth is, and I responded back to this person we talked about a little bit, I said, you know, that, that's, that's not a fair representation of many places, uh, and I don't think it's a fair representation of what would happen here in Love City. I've seen it time and again. Uh, if one of us is in need, many of you just treat it like that's your need, and uh, I think some folks get tired of people asking them, "How can I help?" It's like, "Hey, we're good. We got it. Okay, thank you." You know what I mean? And so that um, it's it's sad though that sometimes the world sees the church act in a way that does not uh, show that the gospels brought us together in a way that we bear one another's burdens, right? And and, and the, in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, that's that's sad. But on the on the inverse of that, I have also. Uh, experienced non-believers noticing when the people of God really act like they're the family of God, take care of one another, and treat one another's burdens as their own, um, and, and it speaks something that that that's where it goes from religious theory to hold on. I got to deal with something that that person that maybe doesn't believe in our Jesus, he, they got to deal with that, right? They got to deal with the fact that a bunch of people are loving each other to such a degree. That they're rejoicing when one another rejoices. They're mourning when one another mourns. They're carrying each other's burdens. They're sacrificing uh, in the place where nobody wants to sacrifice many times, which is in the wallet, to love each other well and provide for one another's needs. Uh, it says something. Amen. So the Bible sees the community of God as friends, as family. Uh, it also sees us as soldiers. 2 Timothy Uh, two. It says, You therefore, my son, this is Paul instructing Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. In case it's not clear, Jesus enlisted us as soldiers, and so we're serving him. Uh, We seek not to get entangled in the affairs of the world so that we can be focused on the mission that God's given us, and that's part of why this is yet another picture as we walk in a circumspect way around the question of Christian community and what that looks like. Uh, Friendship gives us one element, family shows us something else, but this idea of us being soldiers of the cross, it, it shows us in yet another way how we relate to one another. I'm not sure if you guys, through movies or even maybe personally knowing somebody that has served in a military um, combat situation, uh, if you talk to them, folks that have fought together in real deal situations, they will often speak of one another with a level of affection and connection and endearment that you won't hear anywhere else. Uh, you, it's not just military. You'll often hear uh, like firefighters, police, people that are constantly going in and risking their life uh, to handle really difficult situations. When they do that together and, they, and and when their mission is so crucial that if one person doesn't play their part correctly, that people can die when it gets to that level, all of a sudden, man, there becomes this this dependency and this real love and affection and trust for one another that that, is, that it, it shows up in a different way than in the idea of friends and family. There's, there's, a, there's a loyalty. That's a word that I think uh, we could use some more thinking on uh, that maybe is in, in short supply these days. There's a loyalty between those guys that, and, and ladies if they're involved uh, that you, you really don't find people talking that way about one another in any other situation. And so as soldiers of the cross, well, what does that look like for us? Because we're here uh, sitting in a climate-controlled room studying the word of God. We're not putting out a fire. We're not going into some kind of active shooter situation. And we're definitely not digging trenches to fight some foreign army. And so how does that translate for us? Well, part of the problem is we oftentimes don't see uh, the reality of what's going on in, in the spiritual realm. We don't uh, heed the Bible's warnings that call us uh, to put on the armor of God daily because there is a spiritual battle. Uh, we, don't, we don't heed the Bible's warning to make the most of our time because the days are evil. We don't consider the fact that there is a spiritual war happening all the time, that, that Satan and his cohorts are seeking to uh, deceive and distract as many as possible and keep them away uh, from the glorious... Uh, from the glorious intention that God has for each person, which is to be in in relationship with him. And so uh, I guess if if we struggle to to resonate or to understand how the mentality of a soldier should describe Christian community, it's probably a good indicator that we, we may be lax in mission, right? Because if you put people on a mission together, a really crucial, important mission, you send them into that, they normally come back from that, with a bond and connection that you can't get in between that. Those, those folks in those situations talk, talk about each other with typically much more affection and endearment even than, than friends and family do. And so we need to see ourselves as soldiers in God's army, accomplishing his purposes. We need to see each other as allies in that. And uh, if that doesn't really ring a bell for you, that, that may be a good indicator that, that for you, life has become a little bit, more of a, a comfortable cruise uh, than it should. And so if we're actively engaged, engaged in mission, if we're out there in the trenches uh, doing evangelism and doing the things that God has called us to, um, if we're actively participating in the mission of God, those that we're doing that with, there's going to be bonds forged in those activities and in that, that faithful pursuit of doing what God's asked us to do that it, it, it can't be formed any other way. Uh, and there's a real beauty in that. And so I would just say that, that soldier analogy of how Christian communities should interact, it, I, I would call that the, the bond of mission, that there's, there's something to taking on a big task, going into something that the stakes are very high, and, and being shoulder to shoulder, charging after whatever that thing is to get it done. And uh, to the degree that we can understand that, it probably shows us um, maybe to the degree that we are involved In gospel mission. And so, my great hope is that it's not a far stretch for us to see each other as fellow soldiers uh, and to see ourselves on mission for the glory of God uh, and to do battle with those that would oppose God. Uh, I'm thankful that we have the sword of the Spirit and the armor given to us in Ephesians 6. I'm thankful we have the truth of God's word that can cut down the deceptions of the enemy. And I'm thankful we've been given one another as comrades in that fight. Amen. So the the Bible sees us in Christian community as friends, as family, as fellow soldiers, and also as one body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read you verses 12 through 27. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? I think this helps us in a different way to see God's vision for what Christian community looks like. There is an interconnectedness and an interdependent nature that we should have, that I think oftentimes um, our, our modern environment is, 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 is a hindrance maybe to this because we live in a time and place where, for the most part, you can be self-sufficient uh, from a survival standpoint, right? Most of us aren't dependent on our neighbor to have enough vegetables to make it through the winter, right? As people have been throughout history at other times... Food is plentiful for us here in America right now. Water is plentiful. The basic survival needs, most of us have shelter. Uh, and so at, at that very basic survival level, we don't have, we don't, we don't depend on one another a whole lot. But again, when you when you pull back from just an, an individual need assessment and you look at the overall call of God for us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth to make disciples of as many people as possible, then, then you, start to, you start to pull back and see, oh wow, maybe I do need some help because I'm not going to be able to do that. Because this, this whole thing isn't just about me eking out 75 or 80 years of comfort. I'm put here for a mission. I'm put here to accomplish a purpose that without the rest of the people that God has placed around me in a very specific way, uh, I won't get that done. Uh, and, and you know, Paul here is uh, this is one of the places where sometimes ancient humor is hard for us to catch. He's making fun of us um, when he says, you know, uh, th- when, when he when it says, uh, the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, that, that's totally him making fun of us and, and sometimes how we act, right? Because of jealousy, because of insecurity, because of identity issues, I wish I had someone else's identity, all, all these types of things, uh, we tend to get off focus, we, we, lose, uh, we lose the, the vision that, that God has laid out for us in his word of what it is we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and we, we, oftentimes, we don't think about the answer to the question that ends that series, verse 19, if they were all one member, where would the body be? And so this again helps us to see and appreciate uh, with, with real sincere gratitude the diversity that the gospel allows, right? Because we could not all come together and, and have common purpose if it were not for the gospel. We're too different. There's too many ages here. There's too many socioeconomic statuses. There's too many people that would be going totally different directions in their life. There would be nothing that would bring us together like this, that would galvanize us into a, into a, a singular mission other than the gospel of Christ. But the gospel of Christ has done that. The blood of Christ has done that. And we have been brought together, and we are one body. And the Bible says we've been knitted together together joined together for this purpose of accomplishing the glory of God on the earth, the furthering of his gospel, the building of his kingdom, and uh, the saving of many souls. And it matters. And so when you, when you look at the, the analogy of the body of Christ, there, the key words there, I think, is that we're interconnected and we're interdependent. Did you hear what he said? You need, you need an eye, you need a nose, you need a hand, you need a foot. And if any part of that thinks, I'm going to go do this on my own, They totally nullify and they totally neutralize their ability to be effective. And so, seeing, not just seeing, the differences, seeing the diversity, but appreciating it, being thankful for it, celebrating the fact that God can bring different people together with different backgrounds and different strengths, different giftings. He can put us together and he can get us to drop all of the identity markers and all of the sinful tendencies that would normally cause us to be in competition with one another, everyone trying to get one up on the other, everyone trying to be in a place of prominence that the Spirit of God can do this beautiful thing that can't be done anywhere else where everybody's racing to the bottom, where everybody's seeking to obey uh, the Scripture in Romans that tells us to outdo one another in showing honor, that we can have hands just celebrating the beauty of the fact that feet keep us upright and moving forward, and we can have eyes saying, thank God for ears that allow us to hear, right? And, and instead of saying, wow, eyes are great, and everybody else, I don't know how useful you are, right? I mean, that's, that's human tendency to... because. So, so often we are insecure, so often without the love of God and without what Jesus has declared in his death for us, that we do have value and we do have worth, we would be constantly fighting against the barrage of lies of the enemy, trying to tell us in various ways and sorts and kinds that we'd have no worth, that we have no value, that we are not loved, that nobody wants us, but the cross decimates those lies and doesn't give them any time to seat themselves in our heart. And so we don't have to keep striving to try to prove to ourselves or anybody else that we have worth and value and dignity that there's something that's, that's worth loving in us. Jesus has already proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so we can, in total security and confidence, celebrate one another and be thankful for one another and push one another towards love and good works. And to keep trying. we keep racing each other to sit at the end of the table to be the lowest. And we're doing that because we're following our master, because he did that, because the one who was greatest made himself lowest, and he left us no room, because we're all in between there somewhere, right? None of us is greatest, and we can't get as low as he got on our behalf. And so praise God, we can have the mind of Christ set forth in Philippians. It says he did not he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became the form of a bondservant, allowing himself to be murdered like a thief on a cross so that we could know life and have hope and so that we could love each other in the beautiful ways that the Bible describes, that we can be friends, real, true, actual friends, and we can trust one another, and we can take all the masks off. We can be family. We can be there for one another. And, 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 and the blood of Christ allows us to... To be able to trust him for provision so that if any of us have need, we all jump in and meet that need. He's, he's made it possible for us to be soldiers because there's a mission far greater than any, what any of us is doing individually. And he's allowed us to be one body. One body. And, and when we operate like that, friends, it's it's counterintuitive, it's unnatural, it's supernatural. And when we when we live as a Christian community, when we live with the beauty of what Acts describes, what I what I what I read you in Acts, that that to me is 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 the high bar. That is the manifestation of the gospel working in people's hearts. But how do we get there? How do we get from sometimes where we are to what that looks like? The the sheer beauty of them constantly. What does it say? It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, the, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. You get no sense from reading these verses that somebody uh, had to keep cheering people on to try to get them together, together and celebrate Christ. There was no "come on guys, come on guys." They were they were clawing and, and fighting for the opportunity to be together to celebrate the goodness of God, to eat with one another, to build each other up, and to push each other towards the beautiful mission that Jesus had laid out for them in his life, death, and resurrection. This, I hope, that something of the vision of what's laid out there sparks in you a desire. I believe here in this church that much of what the Bible lays out for what Christian community looks like is, is here and the gospel is working a rich and a beautiful example in this body of believers of what can happen uh, when you really buy into the fact that Jesus is alive and that he's called us to tell people about that. Uh, but I believe there's room for us to grow and we can keep on pressing towards the beautiful mark of the high calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the gospel that makes this possible, friends. Let's, let's, not, let's, let's just say this and be real clear. If it were not for the fact... That the Lord Jesus came and lived the life we couldn't and then died the death we should have and then rose from the grave. If there was not a possibility for us to be received into fellowship with God by grace through faith, we could never get here. We, this would be a mute conversation. There would be no point because it's the transformation that happens in the hearts of people when they surrender to Jesus that allows them to even have the potential to walk in any of what the Bible paints as, as, as the beauty of Christian community. It's only the reality that we were all separated. That's, we, we read some verses earlier that talked about you were afar off. You were in a lot of trouble. But Jesus made a way that we can all come close. And all those differences that used to identify us, all those things that used to make us war with one another, that become secondary or less, they become of no importance. They all get set down so that we can join together. All of the gifts and the talents that we have, every, everything that we can bring to the table, we, we all bring it. And we give it as an offering to the one who gave himself as an offering on our behalf. It's the gospel that makes community possible. And if we, if, if we try to do it without the help of the Holy Spirit and wealth, without the, the beauty of the gospel as central, as, as informing and, and fueling what it is we're doing, and if it's not the purpose for our community, um, we may end up with a country club and not a church. The gospel has to be central. It's the power by which we exist it's, it's the only hope we have of accomplishing anything close to the beauty that's been described today uh, as we ponder what the Bible says about what Christian community looks like. The gospel's our only hope. May we be a people who enjoy all the beauty of authentic community. May we be friends and have friends who love us enough to speak the truth in love. May we live as God's family, always for each other, no matter what comes. May we walk as fellow soldiers, focused on our mission, forged together in the fire of eternal purpose. And may we operate as one body, in such unison that the world is awestruck and unable to deny that King Jesus is at work among us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for the privilege of approaching you in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the truth of your word. Thank you that you did not give us just one analogy or one word picture to help us understand the beauty of what Christian community can be. Thank you that you painted a picture for us that is multifaceted. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that uh, you understand we need your help to to understand. (laughs) We We don't get it all the time. Lord, we falter and we stumble very often. Uh, We need your help. But thank you that you're willing to give us that. Not only have you given us your word, uh, but you promised us the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you said you'd be with us to the end of the age. You've given us a mission to make disciples, to teach people how to obey you. Uh, But you haven't just sent us along on our own. You're with us. Lord, we acknowledge that, we rejoice in that, and we are thankful because we are understand the truth that you're the vine and we're the branches and apart from you we can do nothing and uh, we thank you Lord for the beauty of community we thank you for the opportunity to have real relationships authentic friendships thank you that the gospel makes this possible I thank you Lord that the blood of Christ has bound us together much tighter than biology ever could and that we are in every sense of the word a real family with all that that means Sometimes family gets on each other's nerves but at the end of the day we love each other and we are there for one another and we're going to be. Thank you Lord that that's an eternal truth. That's not just for here and now but we are going to be able to enjoy the beauty and the individuality of how you've made all of us for all of eternity. Thank you for that Lord. Thank you that you have called us to be soldiers. That we are joined together in a mission far greater than any of our individual endeavors. Lord may we think about that. May we really live this life as if there are crucial, life-on-the-line situations that we're around every single day, because there are. Every single day, we're passing by people that don't know the truth about you. They are not a part of the family of God. They have not tasted and seen, Lord, that you are good. Lord, may that break our hearts, and may it cause us to be focused, to think of ourselves as soldiers on a mission. And when we do that, when we, when we get in the trenches together, when we, when we do the work of a soldier, as we fight against the forces of evil, and as we... Do the work of the kingdom, Lord. Uh, May that that bond between us, may it be precious. May we have an affection and endearment for one another that, that is even beyond our ability to explain. Thank you, Lord, that by the power of the gospel, you've made us one body. You have connected us in a way that we are absolutely dependent on one another. God, help our pride and forgive our insolence when we try to act like that's not true. Help us, Lord. when when we're fingers that want to be toes and noses that want to be eyes. Forgive us, Lord, when we covet the position of others or when we just think our own is too important. We are prone to pride, and we are prone to not celebrate the beauty of the diversity of what you've put together in your body. But, God, we're asking for your help to see that the way you see it, to rejoice in it. We worship you, God. We can't do any of this without you. We surrender to you, and we thank you, Lord, We thank you for the promise that you've heard these prayers. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.com dot org.